Well, hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com and The Resistance Radio. This is going to be a dual show that you're going to see on both of the podcasts. So if you haven't got a chance, go to thechrisvossshow.com or theresistanceradio.com. You can subscribe to both podcasts. Some have more political than other ones. But this is going to be an interesting discussion we're going to be having today, and when you want to subscribe to all of it, you go to youtube.com for just Chris Voss to see uh, the video version of this thing as it comes to audio through our podcast but we appreciate you guys subscribing go to thecvpn.com or chrisvosspodcastnetwork.com you subscribe to all nine podcasts that we have out there and oh my gosh you will be so smart you i don't know you just won't talk to people anymore i suppose there you go you'll be like einstein Anyway, guys, we certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. And today, I have a most wonderful guest. We always have the best guests, of course, here on the Chris Voss Show. Darlene McDonald. She's the DNC National Committee Woman Elect for Utah. And we're going to talk to her about some of the other issues that are going on in the world today. George Floyd protests, et cetera, et cetera. But welcome to the show, Darlene. How are you doing? Uh, thank you for having me. I am doing Okay. Well, I think we all are with the COVID-19 and, and the unrest and the crazy, uh, the crazy old uh, grandpa in the, in the White House stuff. So, you know, I, yeah. I mean, as long as we can walk ramps better than he can, I think we're doing, we're doing fairly good. I don't know. I tell you. Yeah, I, I, I hesitate on that one. There you go. So, Darlene, uh, give us your www, your website, so people can check out online and, and give us a rundown about, uh, you know, a, bio, a short bio on you, if you will. Okay. My www.darlenemcdonald.com. I got very lucky to be able to get my name, Darlene McDonald, which I actually got that name. I secured my domain name at 2 o'clock in the morning. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it, it occurred. Yeah, it occurred to me. I tried to get my maiden name a long time ago, and I could not. It was taken. And when husband you, probably bought that. Here. No, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> your, your, your pending husband. I don't know. I know. It occurred to me that I was not Wait, Johnson did you get married anymore. because you couldn't get your maiden? Is that what you're telling us right now? Did your husband? I got married so I could get my domain name. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me when i was in school i used to see the girls they would always the, any boy that they liked they would be trying to they would be just trying to see how their name would look at them and just be like what are you doing but you know i know whatever <laughs> yeah it's it's good <laughs> yeah or if you or if you have a last name that you really don't want to have like i've seen some people like it's like you should get married just to get rid of that last name but <laughs> So, Darlene, um, you, you do a lot of things. I read the bio on your website. Uh, you're into whiskey. We talked about in the pre-show. You're political. Uh, you work with a lot of different groups here in Utah. We've been profiling. Um, uh, you know, I, I've been up here in Utah writing a book from Las Vegas, and my family's up here and making sure they don't get the COVID. Uh, and so I've been kind of interviewing a lot of different people. We interviewed Chris Peterson, Karina, um, who's the uh, – Lieutenant Governor uh, candidate. Uh, we interviewed the AG. We've interviewed about five or six reps. We have a bunch more people on. Uh, in fact, the young lady that we referenced earlier in the pre-show, who's on the on the front page of the Tribune, I just sent her a re-up, a second invite because uh, she never answered the original one. So hopefully, we'll have her on the show. So we're gonna have all these great Democrats from Utah on the show, and we'll probably have more around the country as we go to the election. But uh, 
tell us about your job, what you're, what you're doing and, and uh, how, what effect it should have on Utah and of course the world. Well, I moved to Utah 18 years ago this month, actually. Mm-hmm. From, was that voluntary? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. That's it was. It was. <laughs> was. People go, did you move to Utah, Chris? I'm like, not voluntary. It was like parole or something. And there was an I did. There. I loved the mountains. I did not feel like I had a connection to the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a connection to the mountains. Yeah. And that's why... I packed up my kids and we moved out here 18 years ago this month. And Utah is my home. Mm-hmm. Met my husband here. Mm-hmm. Uh, raised my kids here. Uh, found a job here and got into activism here in mm-hmm. Utah. Yes. It is, I'm a Democrat, lifelong Democrat. Doesn't mean I haven't voted Republican or independent before in my life. Mm-hmm. I have but I am a lifelong Democrat. Mm-hmm. And one thing I have to say that I was not prepared for when I moved to Utah and I grossly underestimated was the impact of my political voice and how that is minimized per se in Utah versus Ohio. Mm-hmm. Ohio is a battleground state a swing state, the citizens and residents of Utah take their vote very seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I, what, what do you mean by that with Utah? Is, is it, is, does Utah not seem to care as much in voting and, and being political? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. I was not prepared for that. Um, I found quite disheartening that many Democrats of this state self-disenfranchised. And they do that because they are taught that because this is a perceived red state, that the vote does not count. Mm-hmm. And I am on a quest to challenge that and to challenge every Democrat, left-leaning, independent, left-leaning, unaffiliated, or even someone who is straight in the middle I'm going to challenge that notion that your vote does not count because you're in Utah. Mm-hmm. So that, that is, that's my quest. That's, my, that's going to be my lifelong mission as long as I stay in this state. <laughs> and we spoke in the pre-show that my goal is to turn Utah blue. Yeah. I think this is a, a, a definitely a watershed moment, a watershed year. Um, it, the, the president is, is the part of the, is the referendum really when it comes down to it, I suppose. Um, and there's a lot of call out for, and I, I've been telling you, Tons, this in our, in our interviews we've been doing, that it's going to get really dark and ugly. There's going to be a lot of bankruptcies. We're still in the honeymoon phase of the COVID-19 financial crisis where, you know, people are still living off their savings. There are, there are a lot of people in dire need. Um, and we're seeing the food bank lines, but it's going to get worse. Um, and people are going to run out of savings. They're going to run out of stuff. I'm already seeing the force, homes for sale popping up everywhere. Uh, I lived through this in Vegas during the 2008 crisis. I know, I know exactly how this baby goes. And so more and more, it, it's really important that Utahns or anyone voting around the nation gets involved, gets aware with what's going on, because these are the leaders that are going to have to guide us through a very dark crisis in time. Yes, I agree 100%. 
I believe the last I read that we are approaching um, unemployment numbers that resembles the Great Depression of 1929. Mm-hmm. And In some cases, larger in Las Vegas. Exactly, exactly. And for the people that followed the Great Recession of 2007, and I know you said you had Chris Peterson on. Yeah. So he would have been an expert on that, right? Because mm-hmm. um, he worked with, uh, with the CSPD. So if you followed the Great Depression, the Great Recession, you saw that many people lost their jobs and we had to get someone into office who could understand what needed to be done. You needed to understand and know economics, especially Keynesian economics <laughs> and monetary policy versus, and also fiscal policy and the combination of both to get us out of that recession. And luckily, America elected Barack Obama to be president of the United States in 2008, and we went to work. Now, the reason why that is important and where we are facing right now is because we're going to need a lot of not just fiscal policy, but we're going to need a lot of monetary policy as well in order to get us out of what is going to become another Great Depression if we don't do this right. And we could have had a Great Depression had Barack Obama and his Treasury Department at that time, and even Ben Bernanke and Henry Poston, who were Republicans, um, doing the right thing and injecting the economy with money mm-hmm. in order to get people back to work, get businesses back on their feet. And people that were out of work, you had to, they had to have um, food stamps so that that earned Barack Obama the food stamp president at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people people just don't realize how you know i i i was i was trained as a stockbroker so i understand mm-hmm. the market i understand federal reserve i can talk m1 m2 policy all day long if people want to understand uh what's going on with the fed and most people don't and they don't they really we, don't exactly we came to the brink i mean mm-hmm. the brink the standstill brink i mean right now uh uh i don't know it's worse with the higher thing but the we had big organizations that would fail and if they failed it would have it would have been a total collapse it would have and that's that's when i really started paying attention differently mm-hmm. to um politics because i was taking an economics class that was the great time to actually be taking an economics class it was awesome i mean it wasn't awesome what was happening in the economy but i was taking an economics class at westminster college at the time and running into the classroom to learn how to apply what we were learning in the classroom in real world um, examples, because it was happening in that moment. Um, So I learned a lot. And I, I remember becoming very, very, very upset. And I think I can say his name now because he's no longer in office with former Senator Orrin Hatch. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was so angry. Yeah. Because they were not telling people the truth. And this was another reason why I got into politics. We have to have elected officials who tell the truth. Definitely. The sky was falling. <laughs> the sky was falling. Yeah. And they were not telling people that the sky was falling. Why we had to pass the the um 
the, the tarp at the time and why we had to pass those economic relief packages and why the sky was falling. And, and if we didn't pass that, there, was no, there wasn't a tomorrow. The economy was going to collapse. Yeah. Yeah. He it was, was, it was he important. Was, he was a senator for way too long. Yeah. <laughs> I was, a, we played, we lived around the corner in California from his sister. And we used to play with his sister's kids in the pool. They were our age. And so we spent a lot of time over at her house. Uh, and we, every now and then he would show up for dinners and political things that he would do. And I was 11 and I remember looking at him and they're like, this is Senator Orrin Hatch. And I was like, okay, so that's what a Senator looks like. And I just, you know, I'm 11. Like, what do I care? Uh, <laughs> but like 40 years later, some bloody thing, you know, he was still in office and I'm just like, yeah. this is wrong. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So we've seen a lot of different things happen and, and now we're in the midst of it again. And, you know, uh, I think you can, I think this is what a lot, why Biden's doing real uh, for a lot of fronts is because we know that and anybody with a brain, let's put it that way, knows that uh, he worked with Obama to get us through that crisis. Yeah. Um, it's just astounding to me when I see people go, uh, you know, the, the Obama didn't do anything for the economy or I think the big Republicans argument was, the growth is too slow. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> they intentionally slowed it. <laughs> yeah. like, we came from zero, man. Like, what do you? Like, you can't just flip yeah. the economy on, and you know, we're seeing it again now with Donald Trump. He just thinks, oh, you just reopen everything. Oh, yeah, I'll go back to fine next week. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on with Utah. Um, I know one of the, I, I think I know one of the big problems Utah has is, is and, it, and you identified one of them is political activism, but also money. It seems like a lot of Democrats really struggle to fundraise. Is that true or is that my misinterpretation? Democrats do struggle with, to fundraise because we're in Utah and there's the perception that Utah is deep red. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to challenge that a little bit. I, this is one thing that I, I say, I said when I was running for office, I said it to Chris Peterson, democratic values are Utah values. Yeah. What me. we fight for in the democratic party is what Utah say is their value system and respecting people, believing in the family, family first, family values. That is what we hear all the time with Utah family values. We are fighting for, for the family. When your family is out of work, when someone in your family is out of work, you're going to need some assistance. You, yes, everybody wants a job. People, want, people don't want a hand out. I, I don't know why that became synonymous with the Democratic Party and black people. <laughs> I think it was, well, I don't know if it was for, uh, for black people. I know with poor people, it came from Johnson, didn't it? And Johnson was a Democrat when he enacted the Medicare and a lot of the, what they call the safety net for. The safe, that was uh, FDR. Was it FDR? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, the new deal, the new, the deal. new deal. Didn't Johnson yeah. do, I got to go. <laughs> yeah. My history. Well, I think he Johnson, did some... he did, he implemented, and I'm actually studying Lyndon Johnson right now. He did do a lot of around social security yeah. and the, the, the work program. And I know that he ran FDR's, work program out of the new deal before he became uh, you know congressman and then yeah 
and then later on, Vice, Pre- uh, Vice President Johnson and later President Johnson. Mm-hmm. And but, in yeah. Utah, and we have some interesting things going on in Utah. I, I've told this, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Utah has uh, an one extra kid per family on average than the rest of the nation. And yeah. you would think that healthcare, education, like all these things would be like important. Right now, Utah, we talked about this with the uh, Attorney General candidate for the Democratic Party, Greg, um, I forget his last name, horrible names, can you tell? Uh, but he, uh, he's on the podcast, so you can find him there. Uh, but he uh, talked about how, you know, we're part of this lawsuit that the Republicans are doing, the AG Republicans are doing. I think it's centered out of Texas uh, where they're trying to overthrow Obamacare mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic. When people mm-hmm. lose their jobs, they can't pay their Cobras and everything else. Um, I was trying to find this on the website. And it, it does. What, you know what percentage of the state uh, is registered to vote compared to the population? I know. I don't. I, I don't. There, there, we have about. It's in the, well, I know there's about 700,000 registered Republicans. There, there are about 400,000 registered Democrats. If you add the number of registered Democrats and registered uh, and people who are unaffiliated, it surpassed the number of registered Republicans. So we're in the millions. So it really? has to be at least two, at least two or three million, at least maybe two, like maybe two or 1.7, something like that. And I know there's like about 3.3 or 3.7 million, I think in Utah. I just saw something yeah. on the Wall Street Journal yeah. or the, the thing. So uh, getting these people out to vote, it seems mm-hmm. like there's, there's um, one thing that kind of depressed me was it seemed like everybody was focused on, um, the the debate between the Republicans. And one of the reasons I started inviting uh, Democrats from Utah on my show was I, I looked up, you know, I came here from Vegas, so I looked up. And in Vegas, we put in a the largest group of women into office uh, in the legislature, and they are doing amazing things for women mm-hmm. and children and education and just mm-hmm. the state itself. And, and I was a big proponent uh, six months before that pushing for, I'm just going to vote straight women, straight women ticket, I'm tired of guys, I'm tired of the stupid stuff. I'm a guy. I know how dumb we are. I'm just voting straight women because they have empathy. They, they care about the future of children. They care about children. That's what I'm voting for. And I, and I made a big deal of that for several months before the election and voted that way. Uh, and, I, and we've seen the results in, in, uh, in Nevada. And so when I came up here, I, I looked around. I said, well, who's this? You know, I saw the Republican guys. And I'm like, which is one of those, like the Democrat guy? Because there's a lot of them. And then uh, I found Chris. And then I, I end up telling my mom, uh, I go, hey, have you heard of, have you looked at this Chris Hansen guy? And she goes, is he one of those three guys or four guys? And I'm like, no, he's not one of the four. That's the Republican <laughs> dudes. And she goes, well, who's this Chris Hansen guy? And I go, well, you know, here, here's some data on him. And she's like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I don't know what this guy's all about. And then she started talking to her friends. And her friends didn't know about Chris Hansen either. And so it's, it seems like the media, I don't know, this could be me. This is my opinion. But it feels like the media really has a bias here to talking about the Republicans, the Republican candidates, mm-hmm. and yes. and the Democrats get left out of discussion. Um, I agree. Is there some way to fix that or change that? Or, you know, I've even thought about calling up TV stations going, hey, man, when are you going to publicize the, you know, 
I want to see, I want to see Chris Hansen talking to, you know, across the stage. I want to see Karina talking across the stage to somebody. Um, I want to see a debate. Um, the only way we can change that is, well, we have to have more, more people like you <laughs> who's giving them a voice. And we have to also write letters to the editors, create, you know, call the radio stations, call the television stations and say, hey, we need to hear the other side of this conversation. We must have the other side of this conversation. And, so, and most of the media, at least locally, is, is probably owned by conservative, conservatives and conservative outlets. So they're going, they're, they're going to suppress those voices, unfortunately. Uh, although it's supposed to be unbiased. What know, kills that's me not is, necessarily true. <laughs> what kills me is most of the people I've, in, I've, I've uh, interviewed are fairly conservative. They're, a lot of them are Mormon, and they have Mormon yeah. values. Yeah, yeah, they're, they they're not just they're not like crazy liberals like me that are running around <laughs> godless and stuff, and I don't know, just horrible well, people. You have to understand. We, unfortunately, politics has become very tribal. Yeah. And people are listening to the national voices more so than the local voices, unfortunately. Um, they have the, the, probably the loudest platform. And so they put everybody in the same bucket. Yeah. And everyone should not be in the same bucket. Yeah. Uh, Chris is amazing. And he, I, he's very sharp. His resume is astounding. And Katrina, who is his running mate, running um, for lieutenant governor, is astounding when it comes to health care, as well as um, Greg Scordis, who's running for our attorney general. And I'm excited to vote for all three of them, because if you hit it perfectly when you talked about health care, Sean Rays has refused to remove Utah from the lawsuit to repeal Ob- uh, the ACA, a.k.a. Obamacare, mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> when people are losing their jobs. Now, yes, I agree in universal health care. Universal health care does, does not have to mean Medicare for all. Universal health care can take the form of many things, so we don't even have to have that conversation right now. Mm-hmm. But, in the middle of a pandemic and people losing their jobs when you have 2 million plus people or I don't even remember how many people are filing for unemployment now that are, that are out of work. If you're out of work, that means you don't have health care. And yeah. COPRA insurance, while you may have access to it, you may not be able to afford it. Yeah, if you're homeless, it it's is, a little hard to make the payments. <laughs> it is extremely expensive. Yeah. So you shouldn't be in a position where you're choosing between whether or not you're going to feed your kids or buy medicine or pay the rent or your mortgage or car insurance or car payment or eat. You know, those, are, those become life choices that people make, unfortunately. So we need, so basically what we need to do is we need to have more Democrats talk, share, um, this is one of the things I'm imploring everyone to do because we have the COVID-19 virus. Mm-hmm. Share the videos online. Chris and Karina are doing a great job of, uh, of doing these uh, Facebook Live videos so people can yeah. check those out. I've noticed their shares are now jumping. Uh, we've done a lot with our shows. We've put them on multiple shows, put them on medium.com, and use my Death Star power of all my social media accounts to, to just 
pile them into Google because what we want is we want people to be, uh, you know, when they go online and they start thinking about who they're going to vote for as a governor, we want them to be like, oh, there's this guy and mm-hmm. what is he doing? But but Utah has been, uh, to my understanding, 40 years of the same uh, party owning the governorship. Yeah. It's time for change. <laughs> it's time for change. It, it really truly is. And here's, here's, here's the thing, Chris. You do yourself or people in Utah do themselves a disservice when they have a one-party rule. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Look and see what happens around the Prop 2, Prop 3, Prop 4 issue. Utah voted for every single one of them, and then the legislature got up there and overturned the people's vote. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you have legislators who are picking their voters, rather the voters picking their legislator, and they have a supermajority, and they overturn the voice of the people. If you live in a district and you voted for Prop 2, Prop 3, Prop 4, and your legislator overturns your vote, you need to vote them out. Period. Vote them out. They're yeah. not listening to you. That's that, that was astounding to me. I was down in Vegas yeah. when they pulled that stunt. And, uh, you know, in Vegas, we legalized marijuana. It brought a mm-hmm. record number of, of uh, revenue to the state. Um, it hasn't made any sort of problems other than just making everyone a lot of money and people that really need it for uh, old age pain and medication like myself. Uh, can get it. Um, and and uh, to see the Utah legislature go, no, we're not doing that. And they still haven't even done the will of the people. That's just mm-hmm. extraordinary to me. That seems so against what the founders of this constitution want and everything else. So well, we, they, they do it because they can. Yeah. They, they do it because they can. There's yeah. no checks and balances. Exactly. Yeah. So we need to turn the state at least, very least purple, so there yes. can be checks and balances. I believe Karina and Chris Peterson spoke with us about this, and Greg, uh, the um, uh, attorney general uh, candidate. And, and most everyone I talk to, uh, you know, I want a state to go blue, but most everyone I talk to said, Chris, we're happy if it just goes purple, if we just get a balance. And that's that's really what people want, to have representation in their government. And uh, I just wish there was more money we could somehow get into the hands of Democrats. Maybe Maybe it's because people perceive them as, and, well, like you said, it's a red state, so why try? Uh, mm-hmm. I know there used to be when I left Utah about twenty years ago. There used to be a joke that the you know the Utah the Utah County office was always closed. <laughs> you can just walk into it, and it was like open on by appointment only. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hoping stuff had changed since I had left, but um, I guess it hasn't. So, so you're you're helping oversee the campaigns of of uh, of what's going on. And everyone running for office, hopefully we'll have more of those people on. In fact, I, I had invited, uh, I've lost the page here. I have invited Sandra Hollins for a second time on the show. She had a great uh, article about herself, the Utah's first female black legislature, and her voice to the fight against systematic racism. It's a uh, mm-hmm. front page on the on the uh, Salt Lake Tribune, if you guys get a chance to get it today. Um, but uh, uh, I'd love to see... Uh, Chris Peterson and them get a get a saying, get a motto, yes. like yes. change, bring change to Utah, uh, turn Utah blue. I don't know, uh, bring balance. I don't know, healthcare. I, some sort of saying. They need something like that. They need a vibe. But that's just my opinion. Oh, uh, you guys, you guys are the pros up there. That's more than your opinion. <laughs> Thank you. It, it's, it really truly is. It's um, it's a strategy. Yeah. It's a strategy that that works. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and it started with Richard Nixon and Roger Ailes. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I just watch what Brad Pascal does, man. Go, I mean, mm-hmm. th- those guys really are controlling social media and the airwaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have less power now than they had in 2016, but they're still able to micro-target and do stuff that's just insane in the power of social media. I mean, that's my background. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know how powerful it is. So uh, a lot of support to that. So if you're out there in the, in the marketplace, you want something different or you just want to educate yourself on what's available, you know, you can Google all the folks that are running for the Democratic Party. You can reach out to them. I'm sure they've been really great at talking to me. Um, if you're, if you really feel strongly about it, you should be voting. You should be talking to your neighbors, relatives, letting people know. Because mm-hmm. even though uh, I think a lot of my mom's friends were kind of, you know, they're kind of a little red, they they were still willing to listen. Okay, so who's, who's this guy? What is he? You know, they they were still willing to shop around. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's good, but we need to help uh, raise the level of the voices um, and uh, get the message out there and get people aware of what's going on. And I think I think if more businesses will be pressurized to mm-hmm. get more balance in, in the government and everything else. Maybe some. I agree. Because they can't get. I agree. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. I I'm here to say that Utah voters are allowed to vote for a Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, so the legislature repealed um, the the straight party um, box, so you oh, can yeah. no longer yeah you can no longer vote just straight Democrat or just straight Republican anymore, and that's good yeah. and it's bad in some cases because there were I mean there there were quite a few Democrats who took advantage of that. Yeah, it's good because you can say, okay, I want this person. I want this person. I want this person. I may not want this person. I want this person. And that's okay because we need some balance. But right now we need all Democrats <laughs> because if you want to keep your health care because you just lost your job because of COVID-19, you need to vote for Greg Scordis. End of, end of discussion. Yeah. You need to vote for Greg Scordis. <laughs> And, and 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 everybody to get everybody in so yes. we can have a balance because honestly if Chris if Chris has if Chris and Karina get in and Greg doesn't get in which I guess is how your guys' state works then he's going to be fighting with whoever that Republican is that's yes. not going to want to pull out of that that lawsuit um, and, and some of the other dirty things Greg was great at, at giving us a whole lot of dirty stuff that was going on in Utah. So, um, and it's interesting because I, I had a lot of these discussions just talking about what's going on with COVID-19, but now we're starting to enter a different phase, um, of, 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 uh, crisis, I guess you would call it. Yes. Um, where we're seeing systematic racism, where we're dealing with the police and, uh, the George Floyd killing and many other recent, uh, killings, um, that, that have really shined a light, thank God to video, uh, phones, but have shined a light, um, and 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 we've kind of reached this moment. I, I I've been sitting around for a long time, going, why is it taking this long? You know, I remember watching the Rodney King, and we thought that was a very seminal moment. Uh, but nothing seemed to happen much after that. Uh, and then just more and more. Eric Gardner, I think, uh, from five years ago, you saw that and went, okay, maybe now things will change. But I think now there's so many people out of work. There's so many people like COVID nineteen has has shown all of the 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 cracks in our society, all of the cracks in 
in everything that we're failing at, it's really revealed a broken nation. I mean, we, I think we all kind of knew we were broken after 2016 when our, we were like, holy shit, our friends are closet racists. Who knew? You said you liked Obama, but you lied. Um, but uh, I lost so many friends. I was like, what? I didn't know you were hiding this shit. Um, I know, right? I was like, I was like, you were all kumbaya with Obama, and now, now you're like, oh, like uh, you got the Confederate flag flying there, buddy. I had no idea. You just walked right out of the closet on me. Um, <laughs> oh, you don't even know you're in there. I'm just watching you just slam around. Uh, but uh, um, so uh, let's talk about uh, some of your your thoughts on what's going on with our current crisis. We're going with relations and and uh, yeah. police brutality, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's. You asked me, how am I doing, right? <laughs> we, we have been asking each other, a lot of us have been asking each other that question a lot, and no one quite knows how to answer it yet because nothing seems sufficient, really, to describe how we really feel in this moment. We feel tired but it's not a tired from i just ran a three minute mile although i won't be running a three minute mile (laughs) but it's this is an important moment and you know when, when 2008 happened and then 2012 happened and we elected we meaning the united states the electorate elected Barack Obama president, there were people who believed falsely that we had entered this post-racial America. Mm -hmm. Most black people did not believe that at all. Because what we saw, well, we were very proud, and that was also a time when we saw an increase in African Americans that were being published in um, an increase Ferguson. in the, the number of African-American and black people that were shown on, on television and in positive ways, not the stereotypical ways. That increased during that time. And that was good. But what also increased during that time was hate crime and the number of mm-hmm. hate groups also increased. Uh, Barack Obama had more <laughs> death threats against say, yeah. him. Exactly, than any of his predecessors. So we were not in a post-racial America. And another thing that happened, and I think this was testing the waters to see how far they could go, well, we saw the the lights of the Limbaugh's and company that pushed the envelope, envelope of what they could get away with saying on the air. I mean, we saw what happened to Don Imus when he said the nappy-headed blah, blah, blah oh, yeah. about the women's basketball team, and he was kicked off the air. Well, he landed, in, on a, he landed back on, in, the, in the media, but on a far-right wing, um, I forget, uh, um, show. And then when Barack Obama happened and you saw, okay, so we're going to push this again because they felt like they were allowed or they should be allowed to say whatever they wanted to say about the man who was 
president of the United States, regardless if he was black. Mm. And if I want to call him something other than POTUS, I should be able to, and, and, and if I'm not, it's because you're being politically correct. And we need to do away with political correctness. That's the way, that became, political correctness became the code word for being overtly racist. Yeah. <laughs> so racist, let's do away huh? with political correctness because we should be allowed to be racist if we want to. <laughs> and that's what happened. That that's exactly what happened. So then Donald Trump happened. Yeah. And the birth of movement happened. And no one checked him. And no one checked him because of political correctness. And we should be allowed to be racist because we want to. And and that's that's why we're here. And so Donald Trump, let's face it, Donald Trump is a racist, period. End of discussion. <laughs> he is a racist. Understand if you here. support Donald Trump, you support racism. If you're not a racist or you don't call yourself a racist or you don't consider yourself a racist, you are okay with racism. End of discussion. <laughs> and, and, and doesn't that make you a racist, though, if you support it? Yes. I mean, that's my opinion, but I keep getting told I'm wrong. (laughs) Yes, yes. No one likes to be called a racist. Mm -hmm. But you know what? If it walks like a duck. (laughs) Well, I I hope you'll excuse the reference, but I believe, I can't remember who said this, but they said during Donald Trump, they said, they said, look, if, if, if you, if you're the one giving or selling or supporting the lynch mob with rope, just because you're not at the lynching doesn't mean that you're part of the crime. You're, you're an accessory to the crime. You're part of the crime. And, and, and and if you're supporting them, you're giving them money, you're giving them votes, you know, they have a racist agenda. I mean, you gotta be a real idiot. I mean, I could, I could kind of go with a lot of people were kind of like, maybe they weren't in touch with their closet racism or, or maybe they were, you know, they really hated Hillary or whatever. And, but I I still think borderline there was some, because, Anytime I've seen interviews with uh, the 2016 electorate that voted for Donald Trump, you talk to them and, you know, they have issues at first and it's her emails and it's Hillary. But then once you start getting into it, then you start seeing the code words of racism, those people, culture, uh, our culture. You know, you start hearing the the words that even Donald Trump uses are code words, you know, mm-hmm. well, this is our yeah. America and people hear that and they go, Oh, he's just talking about us as America. No, he's meaning the white. He, he's basically running for Confederate president at this point. He's going. Yeah. Um, so that's always been my thing. I mean, it, but now four years later after Charlottesville, <laughs> they're very fine people on both sides. I mean, he came out and said he was a nationalist, which was mm-hmm. code for white nationalism. He's done everything he can to support them and everything else. Uh, at, at this point, if you're still voting for him, sorry, in my opinion, you're you're, you're a racist because you're supporting racism. Yes, you you are, and you're supporting even worse, to be honest about it. And that's what got us to this moment mm-hmm. because Black America knows this. There's we we know this. We know the dog whistles that are being blown, mm-hmm. and it's at us, at the expense of. We, we hear how he speaks to mostly the um, women of color, the reporters, 
at the, during the White House press briefings if they have one. Yeah. And he targets them. Uh, you have people's of, members of his administration who does the same. And there's no reprimand. In fact, they may get a promotion <laughs> if, they, if they target a person of color. If you look at his cabinet, if you, if you look, look at the White House staff picture, yeah, look at oh the God. staff pictures. If you look at even with the COVID-19 task force, they had a conference room table. And I, and I get really emotional. You know, I, I'm, I'm a Quaker. I embrace Quakerism when, as my adulthood. And I grew up as Pentecostal. And my husband, when I give a, <laughs> when I give a talk sometimes, the Pentecostal comes out. <laughs> preach, preach. Yeah, he calls me the Pentecostal Quaker. <laughs> I'll leave that to you and your uh, marriage psychologist. Yeah. I, just I, know. I don't know what that means. My father loves it. <laughs> but I get really passionate about this because it is so serious. And we have to pay attention at what's happening and what's right in front of us and what we are seeing with our own eyes. And it's, yes, it goes back to George Orwell in 1984. What we are seeing with our own eyes, we cannot deny it. And at his table, at the conference table of his COVID-19 task force that is predominantly killing people of color, there was no people of color at that table, none. Yeah. None. None. You're not at that table. That is by design. That yeah. is by design. Yeah. And if you don't recognize what is happening in the message that is being sent to his supporters and the people who want to vote for him, they want, they, they want to return to what the Confederacy represented, which was white supremacy mm-hmm. and white America. That is what that's all about. Yeah. And yeah, and we have to recognize that. If you do not want to align yourself with that, mm-hmm. if you say that is not me, then you have to, and I'm going to say it, you have to vote for Joe Biden in a discussion. <laughs> I see these idiots that are online going, yeah, I've always voted Republican and I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump this year, but I don't know that I could vote for Joe Biden. I'm like, do you understand that you're basically still voting for Donald Trump if you don't go yeah. vote for Biden? I mean, it's, it's just astounding to me. The more I looked into this, I thought I was just the only lazy one who didn't vote every few years. Um, but it was astounding to me that over half this country does not vote, doesn't register to vote, doesn't. I mean, basically, there's two twenty-five percent in this country that, that that vote for either party, and there's like a bunch of idiots in the middle who can't figure out which side they're on because they're like. They're those people that you're like, do you want to go to McDonald's? Do you want to go to Wendy's? And like, I don't know. And you're like, when are you gonna know? <laughs> I don't know. I have a hard time. You know, it's like, is is I don't understand that. I don't understand how anybody could be undecided right now. I don't now. know. There's some people I meet yeah, that they have trouble. Like they're the person who's that who they spend an hour making the life choice whether they're gonna have the burger or the quarter pounder at McDonald's. And you're like, you're like, it's fucking McDonald's. Like you know, it's on the fucking menu. Like you should have known like a year before you got here what you were gonna order. And they're like, Well, what do you have on the menu? And you know, they're making like a life choice. Like they put more time into choosing between Big Mac and Quarter Pounder and the extra fries than they do in their marriage and I don't know, whatever else they got going in their life. I don't know, I'm kid. 
Yeah. You but, know, Joe Biden say we're fighting for the soul of America. We really are. We really and are. And that's true. We and really are. Yeah. I, 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 I know that Eric Holder in the Obama administration uh, and uh, Obama pushed for police reforms. They had mm-hmm. all sorts of agreements with the states um, and to try and get police unions to reform. Ferguson was a big a, a proponent for that because it was so awful there. And they started, you know, going after these police departments and precincts that had issues. Um, mm-hmm. I've known my share of bad cops. I mean, not all cops are bad, uh, but one of the problems is good cops can't turn in bad cops. And right. there's that blue line, you know, I've seen Serpico. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it, you know, if you're a cop who calls shit out, you're not, you're not going to, you, you got to watch your back from there on out. And these are people yeah. licensed to kill so they can misfire a gun or whatever. But, um, so do you see George Floyd's, um, killing and everything that's gone there after? In fact, we have the new upswell in Atlanta from that young man who was, uh, who, uh, yeah. way too much use of force, uh, for yeah. DUI, you know, I mean, that you watch the videos and you're just like, why does this have to, why does this have to keep happening? And I mean, it, it's even more amazing because we're in this crisis stage and we're three weeks in and we still have cops that just feel like they can pop off their gun anytime they want. Um, and um, do, do you really feel like this is a seminal moment that's going to change the world or is this going to die out in three or four weeks and people are just going to be like, yeah, whatever the next crisis is. No, this is a moment that's going to change the world. And, and I, and I really believe that because the world has seen the effect of Donald Trump and what he represents. Mm -hmm. This, what happens in America does not stay in America. We, we are leaders around the world and people do look to us and look up to us. And white supremacy is on the rise around the world. Mm-hmm. And when we elected Donald Trump, it did give voice to white supremacy. It gave voice to white supremacy around the world, not, not just here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And that fight is happening around the world. And I think that's the reason why you see protests happening around the mm-hmm. world. There are people who are fighting back. And I say America, the United States, Utah, around, voters around this country, we cannot mess this up. We yeah. cannot screw this up. We have to look to history when we got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And yes, the 1930s, the ni- 1929 post-Great um, Depression, Germany got it wrong. They did not stop the rise of Hitler. They did not stop mm-hmm. the rise of Nazi Germany. And Germany was hurting after the Great Depression. We could think about that, what's happening right now with COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, we're entering Great Depression numbers and yeah. people are losing their jobs. We cannot give in to fear. We cannot give in to hopelessness to allow someone like Donald Trump and William Barr, who Donald Trump cannot be Donald Trump without William Barr. Yeah. That's the truth. And we cannot allow them to take us to a point of no return that can ricochet around the world yeah. if we don't get this right. Yeah. 
Do you do you feel I one of the biggest problems with the 2000 election was there was a lot of voter suppression in the black community in the South. There was the usual games with the polls. Um, uh, and, but a lot of black people didn't show up because they were disenfranchised. They felt, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't have leadership. Um, a lot of them were just so disgusted by it. Uh, I wasn't happy to vote for Mrs. Clinton. I respect her. Um, and I'm not a big Hillary Clinton fan cause I lived through the nineties with the two of them and wasn't a fan of them then. Um, I think she's a good person and I voted for her. Um, but I didn't want to vote for her. <laughs> but I know a lot of people felt I know a lot of people felt suppressed. I would it's just it's just she had a lot of baggage, let's put it that way. Yeah. She and, had a lot of baggage and and you have to remember this was a 25 year old. I was all for women. Yeah. You, I was well, all for women. I'm fine with that. You, you, you know I I you know I lived through the 90s with the Clintons. I I I actually voted for Ross Perot the first time. I was <laughs> one of those people. But, there you go. <laughs> I really did. I, I yeah, I was one of those people. Um, that dude was crazy, man. It I know. So I, when I think about that now, I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? <laughs> but I, <laughs> he seemed he seemed really sane until he quit, and then like it started getting weird. And just like, oh shit, we dodged a bullet there. I know. I, yeah, we really did. Um, we didn't learn. But anything. you have to remember, the country did great. The country did great under Bill Clinton. The country did great under yeah, Bill Clinton. Balance the budget. The country does great under Democratic presidents. It it does. I mean, the 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 problem with Democrats, and I'm going to criticize us a little bit, and I'm a Democrat at heart, <laughs> is we allow the Republican Party to shape our messaging, hmm. and we allow them to portray us in the way that we are not, that we are, we're constantly playing defense rather than offense, mm-hmm. always, constantly. We can run on a democratic platform, a democratic message, and a democratic record. It's a good record. Yeah. We have, under democratic presidents, the deficit have gone down. And most people didn't even know what deficit was until Barack Obama was president. <laughs> and all of a sudden, deficit. <laughs> yeah. And you can think a lot of what George Bush did, the D, the D, uh, oh, what do they call it? The, you know, they, they let the, the, the deregulated the banks and the, and the yes. Barney Dodd Frank thing. Um, they let, they let, you know, just these, these guys go crazy with mortgages. I owned a mortgage business back then, so I saw all the stupid idiot stuff that went on. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it. Yeah. And we have to, we have to give the we have to be the leaders of our message we have to have a message but to, along with hillary clinton but I, I voted for hillary clinton i had no problems voting for hillary clinton if you understand most of the baggage that she brought with her had been dumped on her for over 25 30 years starting as first lady of arkansas when she made the mistake of really pissing off <laughs> a lot of conservative women, especially of Southern women being from Arkansas, that she was not going to stay home and bake cookies. Remember that? And they have been at her ever since. She said that. Ever, yeah. ever since. Yeah. Yes. Ever since. And she, had good, she had a good heart. She wanted to she, uh, uh, help her. They tried to get she healthcare. Yeah. Yeah, she was a smart woman with a voice. And that 
pisses a lot of people off. <laughs> pisses a lot of Republicans off. I know. Yeah. Male, male chauvinism. I mean, you know, we, uh, we have so many problems in this fucking country. It's not even funny. <laughs> so do you feel that, uh, so I, I hit on the, a lot of African-American people didn't show up for the vote um, in 2016 because they were just, you know, they just hated the whole thing of it. Um, do you feel that, especially with Eric Gardner's, uh, the protests that are going on, that those folks are going to show up and vote for Biden? This oh, time? yeah. And we're going to just- They already have. I mean, the, the most oh, yeah. beautiful thing we can do is we can bury the needle on Donald Trump so hard at so many people that come out to vote and so many people to vote against him. Like, there's no way he's going to be able to pull one of those Bush Gore things on us where, like, well, there's kind of a, there's a little margin. Like, we need to, like, send him and his racism and his Confederacy shit packing yeah. full bore to yeah. where all of his followers, all those people, and I'm not talking just, I'm not talking just Trump followers because there's some people out there at GOP and maybe they're not just in touch with their closet racism. Um, but all of his white nationalist people, like mm-hmm. I, 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 like I, I recently posted about how someone was saying they're trying, I think one of the centers is trying to get, uh, uh, well, it was the recent thing with lynching where we couldn't get lynching like fully outlawed in the nation. You're yeah. like, why is that not a fucking thing? I know. Why did it take 2002? Yeah. I mean, 2020. I mean, I'm like 2002. 2020. This is 2020. Everyone and should be forced to go down to, I think it's in Georgia, but that new... It's in Alabama. Is, is in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, that new uh, lynching museum that's yeah. down there. That the, will break your heart, wreck mm-hmm. your soul. And if you can walk through there without not breaking a tear, I've watched the videos on it. Um and realize the horrificness. Mm-hmm. I think they did a beautiful job of it. It's sad that they had to, to build it, but I think it really brings home the thing. But and then recently, you know, uh, we want KKK to be on the terrorist list. Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah. <laughs> you're just like, why is that still a thing? Like, why? Why is it not? Like, you know, so they want to designate Antifa, Antifa <laughs> as a terrorist organization. Good luck trying to that, find the newsletter for Antifa. You know, I, I, I mean, when you Donald think Trump. about it, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to punch a Nazi? I, yeah. I, <laughs> bad people, you know. But uh, so you think you think they're going to come out for the vote? They're, they're oh, I, it, it's not that I, what I think; it's what I know. They already awesome. have. Awesome. Yeah, it, that I mean, makes look me at sleep the numbers. Yeah, look at the numbers that Joe I, Joe Biden and I like Joe. I. I I like Joe. <laughs> That's great. Joe Biden has been in the community for a long time. Mm-hmm. People know Joe Biden. People know Joe. And they know him. They know his heart. They know his history. Yeah. He has shown up even when the cameras were not rolling. That is the, re- the reason why South Carolina showed up in force Mm-hmm. To vote for Joe Biden. Yeah. That's the reason. Now, we have voter suppression is real. That's real. And right now with COVID-19 and the push to not have mail-in ballots, that's voter suppression. Because they know, especially in b- the black and brown folks who overwhelmingly vote Democratic, older um, older black Americans overwhelmingly vote Democratic. Well, black Americans overwhelmingly vote Democratic anyway, but so does older people. 
overwhelmingly vote Democratic. This it's, it's a it's voter suppression, and they're trying to get people, especially in the middle of a pandemic, too afraid to show up and vote because they don't you, they don't want to get COVID, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, look what happened in Georgia two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Standing in line for five hours to vote. Yeah. That's voter suppression. That's by That's design, voter too. Suppression. We saw it in yes. uh, Minnesota, I believe. Yes. The Michigan. Yes. Wisconsin. Or, uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, so I'm hoping that this is going to happen. I like I like how things are going. Unfortunately, uh, and we talked about this in the Chris Foss show. What what defund the police means? Unfortunately, that's a horrible uh, model logo. That you know that should have been. I don't know who came. I mean, you don't you don't really have a choice. It's like the mob yeah. that comes up with this. But um, I love I love what we're talking about now because we need to we need to put more money. Uh, that's going to these police unions that, you know, there needs to be a way to get bad cops out of the system. Mm-hmm. And if good cops can't turn in bad cops, I was watching some of the articles and conversation with Camden, New Jersey, who uh, threw out their police union, threw out their police mm-hmm. department, refired everybody, restarted. There's lots of companies that have done this. Like I've mm-hmm. worked for companies. I haven't worked for companies, but I've known of companies that they, they, they start over. They'd fire everybody and they go, you got to rehire for your job back. Tell us why you want it. You got to restart over. And and I think we're here now. I think we're mm-hmm. here now. We're, we're, I'm tired of seeing the videos of abuse, of police brutality. In fact, it became even more ironic when, when the, the protests and the riots were about police brutality and how horrific they'd been um, with George Floyd. And then you just see more of it and you're yeah. just like, holy shit, you guys still aren't getting the message. Like, sh- the world's burning, and you guys still aren't fucking getting it, cops. Yeah. Like, not all cops, but, you know, you, you see these heinous things, and you, you start to realize that there needs to be more power over these folks. Uh, I yeah. think uh, Ilan uh, Omar, the representative, said it today. Yeah, Ilan Omar. The, she said Ilan it on the Omar. shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, uh, yeah she was uh, Minnesota. Yeah, and and she said, you know, it, these a lot of cops are judge, uh, judge, jury, and and uh, an executioner, and this is going to mm-hmm. stop. I mean, there's the guy was drunk in his car from uh, two nights ago in uh, Atlanta, and and he, uh, he maybe he was over the limit or something, but and he resisted arrest. But is that a murder offense? If he would have gotten away, they would have gotten him tomorrow. They got his car, they got his address, they know where he lives. <laughs> you know, he wasn't gonna get he's not a serial killer he's not gonna go kill other people yeah. and and to have that now but uh but i'm glad i i think it's something needs to happen i think people are sick of everything with these protests and they're seeing the failures of the government they're seeing the failures of the financials and to and i love seeing these confederate uh, statues go down i love yes. it yeah, I love it. Me too. Even worldwide, you know, they've got slave yeah. trader things that were, I think, in London or the UK that they pushed into the thing. And you know, we had this argument a few years back when with rebel flag. I grew up with the. I grew up having the rebel flag as a teenager because I was a rebel teenager, and I didn't understand the context of it. it to me, it was just the rebel flag. And you're like, what is it? This is the rebel flag. This is what you have your rebels. And you know, I was a, you know a rebelling teenager. I had no idea the context. I knew that. Uh, it did some stuff in the Confederacy, but I, I think we've really reached a great moment now where we've all kind of woken up to like, hey, the Confederacy was a bunch of losers. They were traitors to America. They fought the U.S. Army. 
So, you know, if you're a Republican, you're like, I support the U.S. Army and the military, but I'm also a Confederate flag flyer and I support a white nationalist president. You're like, wait, no, they killed U.S. soldiers when you really fucking think about it. And then, uh, fortunately, when the, I, I think it came up after Charlottesville, where there started to be discussions about how many, um, how many of these Confederate statues and they were put up by the, I believe, the daughters of the Confederacy. The daughters of the Confederacy. And it, it was put up in during Jim Crow eras. These weren't put mm -hmm. up like after the Civil War. We're like, we should put mm -hmm. these up because we really like Robert E. Lee. Um, they were put up as these symbols to, of domination to go, mm -hmm. we, you may have more rights, you know, with voting rights and everything else that have been given to you, but we're still in control. We still run mm -hmm. the city. And, and for a lot of people and listening to a lot of, uh, African-American friends of mine, you know, they, they still, they have always hold disdain. Uh, I think one of them said to me the other day, or I watched an interview the other day and he said, my father would never drive down those roads that were named after Confederates in the city. And predominantly they did that too, to keep those areas white. You look at the redlining of what that, what that is. Um, and so I'm glad we're finally, um, we're finally taking these things down. I would love to see all the military bases change. I had no idea that Fort Bragg and these other, I didn't, I didn't know what they were named after, but uh, I came to a lot of awareness of it in uh, after Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. And one of the papers or one of the uh, online papers posted all of the named elementary schools and schools and buildings that were named after Confederate generals. And you just looked at it through the South and it was like, mm -hmm. holy shit. I know. <laughs> That's oh, true. They're, they're really proud of that losing and surrendering in the South, to, you know, being traitors. Like, and so uh, it really gave awakening. So I, I'm glad we're tearing these monuments down. I'm glad we're renaming stuff. I think you know you can read it. I I learned about history in the in the history books. I didn't need to see a statue of George Washington. You know, I, I read about him in a book. It was fine. Uh, if you want to put all those things in a little racist. Uh, uh, warehouse and whatever and i don't know what they do with that but you know just put them in there and and uh, i don't know i guess if anyone who wants pictures or something they can go in there and then and then we can all write their name down and keep track of who they are um but uh, uh i'm glad it's happening i i yeah. think I, I i'm hoping that this is a, a seminal moment in history i hope this is um it, maybe it's a you know i biden said it's bigger than mlk I think from a numbers game it is because the population of the world is much larger. MLK had a huge impact. His death was um, was had a huge impact. His martyrdom for America. One of my favorite speeches to watch sometimes when I get really dark and depressed is Bobby Kennedy. In his speech, mm. I believe it was on Philadelphia the night yeah. that MLK was murdered, and that he gives this beautiful speech. Uh, and they didn't want him to because they were worried that he would get. Uh, uh, attacked or assassinated or uh the, but he gives beautiful speech uh and you know he he of course had had lost his brother to being assassinated as well so it just be, it was even more powerful but he gives this beautiful speech and that was the one city in america where he gave that speech that did not riot that night and it's too bad that you know today we'd, we'd have that broadcast so the thing but i'm i'm hoping that this is a seminal moment uh that's just like MLK that brings us to a new realization. Um, I remember an African-American, I think it was Van, Van Jones, if you're familiar with him mm -hmm. from CNN. Mm -hmm. I think it was mm -hmm. him or one of his friends that wrote back when we started to see the first emergence of Stephen Miller's 
racist agenda that we started seeing the hints of, that Donald Trump was really a racist. Um, and uh, he said, you know what, you know, what's great about this moment is we're peeling back the curtain. Now we know who the racists are. We have to see it. We have to see it. It's in our face. No, we're not hiding it anymore. Like one of the, one of the things I started noticing, I never believed Fox news. I've always thought Fox news was bullshit. Clean back to when Geraldo pulled that stunt in, in desert storm and he gave away the, the position and Geraldo yeah. has always been an idiot in my mind. So there's that. Um, but, uh, you know, I started having these friends that the once Donald Trump started giving rise in 2015, and I started having these friends start bashing Obama. And you would hear, you'd be like, "You're what? I I know which channel you're watching." Mm-hmm. And it started coming out, and mm-hmm. and I, it started to become apparent to me. I'm like, "You guys are fucking closet racists." Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, I started learning the code words and and the stuff, and I'm like. Even I had to kind of look at okay, so do I uh, do I have some cause of racism going on? Do I have some issues? Or you know, I started learning about words that you can use that that if you're not really tuned in or aware of what's going on, they're they're they show a bias and they mm-hmm. show discrimination. Uh, culture is one, and like I didn't realize until Donald Trump really started using the word culture, and I'm like, okay, what is what the fuck does he mean by culture? And then you're like, oh, he means white nationalists. Oh, okay, our white culture, you know. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing the signs in Alabama about white uh, genocide, and I was like, my friends would wow. who lived in Alabama, they would see these billboards of white genocide, and I'm like, what the fuck is white genocide? Like, what is there something going on? I don't know about. I know about. Jewish genocide and you know different things that have gone on around the world with genocide but what's this white genocide what's going on and they start reading about it you're like holy fucking shit like (laughs) I don't know you start you kind of always know that you have a white privilege but when you really start sitting down and thinking about it measuring it and then measuring what other people don't have and what they're living with and discussions they have to have with their children and um you know, the moment that they have to wake up one day when when uh, I read a lot of different articles of when, uh, I can't remember who published it, but they published it uh, in about 2016. They talked about the first moment they got called the N-word. And when they, as a child, they lived in this wonderful bliss of innocence that we all do as children. And then all of a sudden they had to realize that there were people who were prejudiced against them because of their skin color. And, and then that's when it like hit in and their parents had to sit down with them. You know, one of the, one of the pictures that always touches me the most um, is Martin Luther King standing on his front lawn with his young son. And there's a burnt cross that was in his front lawn and he's standing there with his son. And I, and I look at his son just from a human aspect and I go, my God, what did that have to be like as a father to, to have to either explain that to his son or, just for a son to see that. Like I, I, I have no idea what I would have done if people were burning crosses in the front yard as a child. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Mega Evers was shot and killed in his front yard. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a tragedy at every level. And we used to be this America that it, we were like, Hey, do you, do you have a problem? Okay. Well, let's lift you up. And we, we mm-hmm. do have the darkness of racism, but, but I, you know, I'd hope we'd become America when we've risen up, but now we've become America that's so fractured and so financially desperate and broke, the elimination of the middle class with, with the trickle-down economics and everything else, mm-hmm. what Republicans have done. And, and 
And so now we're turning on each other going, fuck you. I need mine. And, and I don't care about yours, but we're, we forget that the rising tide lifts all boats. If mm-hmm. I help exactly. you up, then, then you help someone else up or I'm going to fall down and you're going to help me back up. Cause I helped you. I mean, this is, this is what America used to be about. And so I'm really, uh, it's sad that we have to lose so many people and the tragedy has to happen, but I'm really, um, I'm hopeful in what's going on with these riots that, and, and what's really nice is they've, there was kind of the riot period and now they've just really turned into these really peaceful protests, mm-hmm. which make it yeah. even harder for Fox news and Donald Trump to be like, Oh, look at those rioters. They're bad. You know? Well, as long as they're allowed to call them rioters and yeah. looters, the conversation shifts. Yeah. And cause those are criminals. Protesters yeah. are protected by the first amendment. Yeah. Rioters and looters are not. Yeah. So that's the difference. <laughs> so, so I'm hoping I'm hoping it's going to be a major change, and I and I hope the message we send to Donald Trump is is so powerful that that uh, like there's no I mean because you know if it's if it's close he's going to be like having lawyers going yeah we need to recount that vote and all that BS. Um, but I, I hope it's so overwhelming, and I hope he's still not in deep stages of dementia because he's showing that now in, in many strokes. Um, I hope he, I I just want him to be conscious of when America <laughs> rejected him and rejected his Confederacy, his white nationalism, right. his racism, and you know we need I, Utah. We need Utah to reject it. We need Utah to vote against Donald Trump and to vote for Joe Biden. That that would be astounding and wonderful and totally send the message. When Utah voters say, this is not who we are. This is not who we are. Yeah, it's not who we are and, and who we want better. We need to love everybody. We need to love Americans. And and I've said this before, hopefully COVID-19 brings us close together because we realize that if my neighbor isn't healthy, uh, I'm not healthy. We could all die. There might be another pandemic coming. So I appreciate you coming on the show, Darlene. I know I've taken a lot of your time and, and you're welcome to come on anytime you want. I'd love to have you back again. We could probably talk forever about politics. I know. Racism, <laughs> we could. Um, you know, if, if someone, if someone, uh, the, the final thing I want to bring up, what, what's the best thing someone can do if they're concerned if they have racist tendencies? Maybe they feel they're a closet racist or the things that I do as a white person that are racist. How can, how can someone like that get educated on how uh, maybe to clear out some of their, their issues? That's a good question. And it's a question that's being asked to, of, of, to black people a lot. And I, and I see this on social media posted by black people like how 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 are we supposed to answer this question Um, maybe maybe google closet racism and but you know here's here's what you can do look in your immediate circle and see how much diversity you have in your immediate circle (laughs) look at your church look at your grocery store look in your family does everyone look alike Look at the, the things that you read. Look at the television shows that you watch. Look at the news that you listen to. Look, look at all of that because you can answer that question quite easily. Yeah. And one of, one of the challenges with Utah is it has a predominantly high white uh, state. I mean, it's a 90, mm-hmm. 90, 90 or 93%. I just looked it up. Uh, no, no it's less ago. than that. It's, um, 
I, I, oh gosh, why do, you know what? I'm thinking about something else. I, I'm, yeah, it could be, it could be between in the eighties. I think it might be 87. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I looked it up and had it in the Chris Peterson. I came from California, so I grew up in the melting pot. So I, yeah. I came from California, and I, and then my parents moved us here in the teens, and I was shocked. I was like, where's everybody else? Like, there's a lot of white people. <laughs> and, like, my fa- one of my favorite stories is we went to the Mexican restaurant that was here in Utah. Uh, this is, like, you know, 40 years ago. And I go, you know, can I get some hot sauce? And they brought us ketchup. And I'm like, this isn't this isn't a hot sauce. And they're like, and it took me six months to see a Hispanic man here. And when I went up to him, I wow. shook his hand. I'm like, Oh, cool. Everyone else is here. There, there are other people here. <laughs> Fucking white people. Um, don't even get me started on white people cooking in Utah. Oh my God. Um, you know, I grew up in California. We had, you have these boroughs where you can go to, you can go to little Vietnam, Chinatown. Uh, you can go to all these little bureau boroughs and, and, uh, all these little delis back then, you know, you had all the small Italian delis and stuff. And so you can go to these places and get authentic food, meet authentic stuff. There's still places in California. You can go down there and, and just, you can meet these people from another country that still don't speak a link of English, but they'll make you the best damn, whatever nationality of food there is. It will be the best thing you ever had. They'll come out. They'll be the nicest folks to you. (laughs) Can't understand you. And you're like, I don't, I don't care what language you speak, man. Do you serve this kind of food? Baby, I love you. Um, we all connect over food. We that's all what I used connect to love Anthony food. Bourdain. But uh, yes. maybe I could be the fat Anthony Bourdain someday. But no, I, I, I would implore every people, everyone, and, and I think I'd add to the great advice that you had. If, if you want to understand what's going on, listen. Listen to what black people are saying. Listen to what people of color are saying. Listen to what people that are, uh, are, are suffering from job loss, suffering from COVID-19 more uh, realize that we're, we're, you know, I got thinking about it. We're really not that far from equal rights. Uh, the 1960s, we're not that far. Uh, we had 400 years going before that of, of slavery, uh, and repression and, and the ugly stuff we did. I mean, we're just finally getting around to tearing down the, the, the Confederacy. I mean, we're, we're still in a place of rebuilding and, and regrouping and, and realignment. And one of the things that gave me hope was uh, that I've been holding on to for dear life was when Obama said, you know, sometimes America zigs and it zags and where it zags back to is the most important. And uh, I forget who wrote the book, uh, Our Better Angels. Uh, he's a famous historian, but, you know, hopefully. John Meacham? Yeah, John Meacham. Yeah. Um, it, hopefully that's what we get back to is our better angels. So I think the important thing is to listen and wonder, okay, you know, and, and if people are hurting, we shouldn't kick them. <laughs> we should lift them up and yes. go, let me, how can I help you? How can, how can we do better? And uh, I think if you're a white person there, Google, Google uh, closeted racism and see if you have any of the, they're like little words that people use and they don't realize that, that, that imply a sense of bias. And I, fortunately I grew up in a very diverse thing, but I think it's harder in Utah because I mean, Try and find, you know, other than the metro area <laughs> of any city, it's, it's hard to find. People. We, we are here. I, yeah. Believe it or not, we are here. And we are even in Utah County. Yeah. We are up north. We are here. And you can diversify you, your, your circle. Mm-hmm. You can become involved in organizations that seek um, diversity and inclusion you can seek it out. 
you don't have to believe everything that you thought, every stereotype that you live, that you hear on Fox News about black people, mostly about black liberals. Get to know who we are. Listen to what we are saying. Trust us. You don't have to speak for us. Trust us. We can speak for ourselves. Yeah. And we're all human beings. We all have kids. Yes. We all want the best for our families. We all want the best for America. Uh, we want, uh, you know, everybody to have a fair shake. We want people to, you know, be, be, be uh, hired and be judged on their merits of just being he- good human beings. I mean, I, I live with a song, Imagine. Anytime I, anytime I lose my way, I go back to Imagine by John Lennon. And uh, where everyone's, uh, you know, we're all human beings. That should be the flag we're under technically. I mean, I'm American, but I believe in being a citizen of the world. But uh, anyway, it's been wonderful to have you on, Darlene. Uh, give us your uh, website so people can look you up while you get to know you better. It is DarleneMcDonald.com. There you go. There you go. And I implore all my audience to uh, get registered to vote. I mean, I don't care if you're going to vote for Trump. Just register to vote, man. Get involved with politics. Get involved. Uh, do the thing. Just remember, uh, he's against absentee ballots, and you can get COVID-19 if you come vote. I just saw the Republicans are burning the absentee ballots. It turns out a lot of their stuff comes from the absentee ballots. It's hilarious. But what? I mean, it's Darwin. Is That's right. I, yes, I saw that. We're okay with that. They can burn their ballots. Sure, if they yeah, want. burn your burn ballots. Go ahead. Sure. Don't, don't show up. It's COVID-19. It's on the handle of the door. I'll be there coughing. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. But, uh, no, I, it's vote for vote. This is what my big vote for was in 2018. Vote for empathy. Vote for people who care about everybody because they care about, if they care about you, they care about me, they care about your kids, they care about your future. Vote for people who care. Vote for people that have empathy. So thanks, my audience, for tuning in. Uh, we have the show on both the resistanceradio.com and the chrisvossshow.com, probably chrisvosspodcast.com. So uh, go to those websites, check them out, subscribe to the show, go to thecvpn.com or chrisvosspodcastnetwork.com, nine podcasts there, you know the drill. Uh, YouTube.com, forward slash chrisvoss, you can see the video of uh, my discussion here with Darlene McDonald and support the Democratic Party. Help Utah go blue or whatever state you're in for that matter this year. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.